0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Capital Employed FM. For this episode, we welcome back to the podcast, David J. Flood, private investor and writer of the Elementary Value blog. If you have listened to episode seven, you'll know that David likes to invest in net nets, nanocaps, and special situations. In this episode, David gives a quick overview of the latest developments with Mycelex Technologies, the company he talked about in episode seven, he then delves into his latest investment in a nanocap stock listed on London's AIM stock exchange. Before we jump into this episode, do make sure to add your email to the Capital Employed email list. We will be publishing some exclusive interviews that will only be available to those on the list. To receive these bonus episodes, please visit capitalemployed.fm/exclusive and add your email to the list. Okay, let's get into this episode. Please enjoy my conversation with David. Hi, David. Welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me back on the show, John.
0: Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Um, the last time you were on in February, you talked through an investment you made in MySelex Technologies. Has there been any um, development since then, and are you still holding?
1: Yes, I'm still holding the stock, so disclaimer there, I'm long um, MySelex. Yeah, there's been a few developments since then. Um, they put out the most recent annual report where they, they showed they'd Suffered quite a large loss, which was no surprise, really, because the oil and gas industry's kind of um, been in a bit of a bear market for a while now. So the shares kind of took a drop on the news of that, but they've quickly recovered back up to a support of around 60 pence. And then post-period, they sold their Duluth building that they had and, and have done a sale lease back on that. So they kind of shored up the balance sheet with a bit more cash. And the old chairman has stepped down and a new guy's come in to replace him. So the results were, mm, you know, they weren't great, but they were to be expected. But I think looking forward, the prospects for the company are actually quite good because um, they've developed a new product, which is kind of like a a retrofit version of their technology where they can kind of um, add in a polymer-based system to clean water or air for oil and gas companies and, and other industrial companies. So before it was an entire system that they had to kind of put in, whereas now they can kind of add this retrofit system into an existing system. So there's a paid trial underway with that with a company. And then they're also looking into cleaning PFASs, which is like uh, another really problematic chemical, which has found its way into the, uh, the environment. And they think there's some bright prospects for that going forward in the future. So I'm quite bullish on the company because I think a new bull market is underway in the oil and gas industry. So I think looking forward out for the next year or two, I think they'll they'll start to get more orders coming in and they'll kind of have their day in the sun again. So I'm I'm very bullish on the company.
0: Okay, that's great. And how about your um new stock that you found? Uh, it's a new stock you found on the AIM stock exchange, another net net nano cap. What is it and what do they do?
1: Yeah, so this is an interesting little company. It's called Holders Technology PLC, which is ticker symbol HDT.L. Disclaimer again, I'm long the company. So they're an interesting little company. They were founded in 1972 by a gentleman from Germany, and they're a supplier of materials for printed circuit boards. uh, And they are also involved in lighting and control solutions for buildings. So I was looking through companies on. a screener, and I don't really screen for um, fundamental metrics. I just kind of look at the smallest companies that I can find and just work through them one by one. And I started to look at the balance sheet of the company and um, noticed that they've got quite a sizable amount of cash and accounts receivable in inventory relative to their market cap. So at the minute, the market cap's £1.8 million. Uh, they've got a tangible book value of £3.62 million. They're loss-making at the minute, but they kind of swing from profit to loss like a, a lot of small companies do. But they're, they're selling at a fraction of the revenue, which is $9.84 million. So that they're cheap, you know, if you look at them on a, a revenue basis. But on a price-to-net-current-asset-value basis, they're, they're only selling at 60% of the net-current-asset-value. So they're incredibly cheap. It's in net-net territory. The company also it pays a dividend of 1.2%. So I think anytime you find a company like that that's selling at such a, a depressed level, it's an interesting bet to make. Because generally, with most net nets, unless they're a melting ice cube, you will see a fairly quick correction in the price. But I think at the minute there's there's a lot of um, the, there's a there's a few issues with the company that I think have affected the market's view of it. So I think it's the fact that it's a very small company and. It's underfollowed by analysts. No one's really paying much attention to it. The revenues and the net incomes are lumpy with these companies. You know, these very small companies that can have a few bad years and then a very good year. It's very illiquid as well. That's a, another thing that probably puts a lot of people off. And then I think Brexit concerns and the pandemic have also kind of played into, um, into the, the issues with the company as well. But I think, you know, it's selling at 18 times trailing 12-month revenues selling at just uh, 0.5 times tangible book and selling at 0.6 times net current asset value. And you look at the current assets and you've got, you know, 1.1 million in cash, 1.3 million in receivables, 2.34 million in inventory. For me, it's just a screaming buy at this price.
0: 1.8 million. It must be one of the, the smallest listed companies. Yeah. I don't know about this company too much, but I just had a brief look through the annual report, and I noticed they're doing um, a joint venture mm-hmm. in Austria. Yeah, and they're also doing a um, a joint venture in the Netherlands. I believe it's Holders Technology Data Analytics. I think it's just commenced trading this year. Do, do you know much about that? Could that be a bit of a catalyst to help well, start I think grow the so. company?
1: I think so because traditionally they'd operated supplying materials for printed circuit boards and then they moved into the lighting solutions business as well. Now obviously this business will have taken a hit because of COVID and then also I think there was a lot of uncertainty with supply chains uh, over Brexit but those issues have now been resolved because of the uh, the agreement that the UK has struck with the EU. But I think going forward this joint venture actually with the data analytics could be very interesting because. We're kind of entering the era now where we're beginning to develop smart buildings and the internet of things is going to begin to proliferate. So they're basically, um, they're teaming up with another company so they can use all the data that they can gather from their existing systems where they will implement like wireless lighting systems where they they can derive information about a building in terms of the amount of lighting that's used, occupancy rates, energy usage. And then they'll be able to use that information to help companies make cost savings in the future. So I think this is only going to grow in terms of how many businesses use this because of the kind of push towards sustainability. This is going to be quite a major thing going forward. So this could be quite an interesting catalyst for the company to start growing revenues and uh, earnings going forward in the next few years. But I also think there will be a correction in the price simply for one reason, because the company's trading below net current asset value. Secondly, because I think now that the pandemic's receding, I think the revenues will start to grow again and the company could swing to a profit because it was profitable in the last couple of years before the most recent loss. So I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity there for the company. The stock is very, very illiquid. So the founder and the executive chairman owns about 45% of the shares and the public flow is really quite limited, actually. There's not much stock available because, obviously, he owns a large percent of the company. And then some other directors own a few shares as well. So in terms of trying to buy the stock, it's quite difficult to build a position. It requires a lot of patience. And what I found with these very small companies where the shares are extremely liquid is once there's some kind of demand for the shares, when some positive news emerges, the the share price can really start to take off then. I mean, you kind of saw that with Mycelix. It didn't take long for the the stock to move up once the market realized that it was underpriced, and I think the same thing can happen here with this company.
0: I've noticed the um the CEO Rudolf Weenrich. I hope mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce the name. That he's uh, sixty eight years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know sixty eight years old is not that old. It's not as old as it used to be, perhaps. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. What are your thoughts regarding like of it? owners are are that age and perhaps over the next five years they may may look to retire
1: yeah there's always an interesting situation when you have things like that going on because they, they that can be some kind of inflection point where there's change he may decide that he's kind of ready for retirement and decides to sell the companies to someone else in which case it could be bought out at a premium now obviously you never know what kind of price you're going to get if a buyout takes place but i think with the fact that there's there's other holders of shares including certain institutional holders i think it would be it's unlikely that the company would be kind of taken taken under so to speak you know taken out at a too lower price I, I just can't see how anyone would kind of bid for the company and buy it out it would be at a premium to the current price just because it's so cheap so i think that's that's an interesting possibility going forward i mean there's always a risk with these very small companies on the aim market that they just decide to go private for whatever reason, but the company has been been listed for quite a number of years now, so I think the risk of that happening is is relatively low. But I'm I'm a firm believer that value is its own catalyst with the, these stocks. So I think I expect that, that there will be a repricing of the stock simply when the market kind of realizes that it, it's so massively undervalued relative to all the other companies because there's very very few net nets that are around on the listed markets so when when the market kind of finds one then generally the, the pricing is corrected in, in short order and also mentioned from um, a technical analysis point of view the chart looks extremely interesting with the company it's been building a base for the, the last five years and there's a formation that, which is quite a well-known formation that technical analysts will know which is called an ascending triangle and essentially When this formation completes and you get a breakout, the stock will then begin to move up. So I've been watching that very closely, and I noticed that when I initially started looking at the company. I think it's always good to to consult the price chart. So I think a lot of holders of the stock over the last few years have probably given up on the company because it's been languishing down here in the accumulation zone. But for me, that's the, the perfect time to buy the company before it breaks out on the next rally.
0: I can see there at about 45 pence, there seems to be a bit of a resistance there
1: mm-hmm. over
0: yeah. the past few years.
1: There was a breakout of sorts, but it, it turned out to be a false breakout and it's kind of dropped back down. But again, you know, the longer a stock builds a base generally, the higher the rally that will commence once it breaks out from that base. So I, I like to find these kind of situations because the upside potential is quite great with them. I mean, if you look back in 2011, the company was selling it, you know, 125, 130 pence per share. So I think there's significant upside potential with the company.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that company. It looks like an interesting situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you
0: finding um, many more net nets or some good
1: deep value stocks around
0: at the moment, or is it becoming a bit more of a, of a struggle?
1: It's becoming quite difficult to find them on listed markets. Um, there's very little to speak of now on, on in the US listed markets and, and even on the, the UK markets as well. The only places I'm really tending to find them now would be places like uh, the -the over-the-counter markets in the US and perhaps places like Eastern Europe. Do you ever look at uh, Canada at at all? Um, I've looked here and there at Canada in the past, um, but it's an area that I would like to focus more of my attention on going forward because I think there's some very interesting opportunities up there.
0: So where can um, our listeners go to find out more about
1: you? Well, you can connect with me on Twitter at Elementary Value. You can also get hold of me via my website, which is elementaryvalue.com. Thanks
0: once again, David, for coming on to the show. You're becoming um, one of the listeners' favourites, so it's always good to have you
1: come back on. Yes, fantastic. I'm always happy to join you and have a chat.
0: Okay, David, thanks for coming on. (laughs) Take care.
1: Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye now.